0: Let us return then to that portion of Scripture that we read together in Isaiah and the chapter 12. Isaiah and the chapter 12. Redemption results in praise. Redemption results in praise. Praise is in a sense... A joyful declaration of the redemption that God has provided for his people. And in this chapter 12 of Isaiah, we have a joyful declaration of our salvation, a joyful declaration of our deliverance, a joyful declaration of our dependence, and a joyful declaration of our delight. Something that we have been confronted with throughout this communion season. At the time of communion, we are confronted with our deliverance from sin. We remember his death and his work that purchased our salvation. In coming to the table, we are reminded of our dependence upon him. And in partaking and communicating with Christ at the table, we do so with delight, the delight of our souls. This is what we have here in this concise chapter of the Word of God. It may be concise, but it truly is a gem and worth our studying. A victorious song of praise, a song that is not only applicable to Israel the church but also applicable to individuals and to families. You see in this short word of praise Isaiah speaks of the church but he uses the singular. I will praise thee though thou wast angry with me thine anger is turned away thou comfortest me. Verse 2 God is my salvation I will trust the Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song, and also my salvation, and so on. So although this is a song of the church in the redemption received from God, each and every one of us who have come to the table of the Lord in this communion season can apply it to ourselves, and this can be our own joyful declaration of deliverance, of dependence and of delight in God. In understanding these verses in their context. We will be better positioned as it were to make application of them to ourselves. That's why context is always important. Now the context of these verses in chapter 12. As we reflect in thanksgiving directs us back to chapter 11 we must consider the previous chapter chapter 11 verse 1 to 10 it speaks of the reign of the Messiah the anointed one the one who we noted was the first among men the one who had grace poured into his lips verse 11 to 15 is the return of of the Messiah's people. And so our chapter verse 12. Is the resultant rejoicing. Of the realization. Of the Messiah's kingdom. In the lives. Of the people of God. Do we know. Of this joyful declaration. At the close of this season of grace. That's what the a communion season is. It is a season of grace. It's a season where Christ comes alongside and communicates grace to his people through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. So let us note then this deliverance, dependence and delight from chapter 12. Firstly, a joyful declaration of deliverance. Verse 1. And in that day, in that day, what day? Well, the previous chapter tells us it is the the day of the Messiah's kingdom. Isaiah 11 and verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, speaking of Christ. Verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign or a banner of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. The the day of the Messiah's kingdom. Dear congregation, the Messiah's kingdom is a kingdom of grace. So when we think of in that day, that's what we ought to think of. In the day of the Messiah's reign and kingdom. And so then commences the joyful declaration of God's people for the salvation that has been brought to them by the Messiah. In declaring that they have been delivered, what we have is the magnitude of God's grace in the saving of his people set before us. The magnitude of God's gracious redemption. What are we deserving of? We're deserving of the wrath of God. Out of Christ. What about us in Christ? We receive not the wrath of God, but The comfort of God. Deserving of wrath. For God was angry. And yet we have deliverance in mercy. Look at what he says. O Lord I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away. And thou comfortest me. There's deliverance. Deliverance from the wrath of God. It reminds us of Isaiah 54, where it speaks of God's anger. Isaiah 54 in the verse 8. God's wrath and a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on me. You see what he's saying here? Even if the mountains be removed, even if the hills be removed, the kindness of the Lord shall not be removed from his people. He has delivered them from his anger and from his wrath. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. What did we renew? Yesterday morning, there was a renewal of covenant between Christ and his people. Here we're told of it. It's one of those comforts Of our deliverance. One of those comforts of our salvation. No longer are we faced with such wrath. But we are faced with comfort. And in the ordinances of God. God conveys to us. This comfort. The Lord that hath mercy on thee. Dear saints all men. Are deserving of God's wrath. That which is the manifestation of his righteous anger against sin. That which we see, we saw poured out upon Christ. The culmination, remember, of his sufferings when he cried out, I thirst. God's anger was poured out unmixed, without mercy. God is angry at the wicked every day. And yet, it is only by grace that comfort replaces anger. This is what it means for us to be delivered. This is why we have a joyful declaration of deliverance. Romans 5 verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Why do we have a joyful declaration of our deliverance? Because God has delivered us from wrath. What has God delivered us from? God has delivered us from Himself. Think of that. God in Christ has delivered us from Himself. From His wrath. Therefore we come, don't we? In a joyful declaration. God has delivered us. God has redeemed us. We are glad. We are thankful. You see, Those who have been delivered know that God was angry. They know that God was once angry with them. But that they have been delivered because of another. The one who bore God's anger. But God is no longer angry because of that other. That one who stood in our place and in our stead god's wrath his fierce anger must be satisfied in his perfect justice and what did we remember we remembered christ's death we remembered the satisfaction that he made to the perfect justice of god we knew the extent of our deliverance because God did not simply remove his wrath and replace it with comfort. His infinite wrath was executed upon the Messiah. Was executed upon the one who is altogether lovely. You see dear saints as one once remarked in that thought lies the heart of redemption. Redemption. Is that not what we were confronted with in the bread and wine? The heart of the redemption of God. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ with his body broken and his blood poured out. Therefore, why would we not then this evening come joyfully declaring, rejoicing in this deliverance that has been wrought for us? We have been shown during this communion season the heart of redemption in the ordinance. That Christ instituted for the good and for the strengthening of his people. Dear child of God, the wrath of God has turned away and his comfort has turned toward you. Why? Because his wrath turned toward his own son. This is your comfort, is it not? This is my comfort, knowing that this That his wrath will no more be turned to you. For it rested on your substitute. Satisfaction has been made. Therefore we can be assured. That as the comforting face of God. Is directed towards us. We know. That his anger. His wrath. Condemning so. Will never again be faced towards his own people. And we were assured of that when we came to the table of the Lord. That is the comfort that we derive. The comfort of our deliverance. God has delivered us. No greater deliverance. Not only to seek that which was of itself lost. But also to deliver that that could not deliver itself. Great deliverance. Therefore we joyfully declare... Our deliverance and our thankful praise. To God our saviour. A joyful declaration of deliverance. But secondly a joyful declaration of dependence. Verse 2 and 3. Behold God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. This word here, behold, draws our attention to a truth. It's an exclamation that is employed to use to give a declaration of a great truth that is to come. Isaiah uses this also in Isaiah chapter 40. Chapter 40 and verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, speak and hear of the gospel tidings. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Christ came, didn't he, with salvation in his hand and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. We learned yesterday of Christ gently leading his people by the right hand. He led us to the the table, to the place of comfort. The great truth declared here is that God is our possession. God is my salvation. Conveying to us here something of the the personal possession that the believer has of God himself. You know it is good that we avail ourselves of all of these new covenant privileges. But in so doing our desire ought to be that God is our portion, that God is our possession. One writer remarked in the fullest and deepest sense, we receive God. What more can we have, and what more do we need than God Himself? And we can say that of the Lord's table. We received God, as it were, and all of His blessings. Dear Saints, our dependence is wholly on God for our salvation. A joyful declaration of dependence in coming to the Lord's table. We are declaring He is the author of our salvation, He is the cause of our salvation, He is the agent of our salvation, He is the accomplishment of our salvation. And redemption. It's a wonderful truth. We had Christ set before us. In his death. And yet we know. That our redemption. Is a Trinitarian redemption. The father elected. In eternity past. The son purchased. In time. And the Holy Spirit. Applies that redemption. To the soul's. Of God's people. A wonderful salvation. A Trinitarian economy. And yet we have it set. Before us. In Christ himself. An all encompassing salvation. Deserves dear congregation. An all encompassing dependence. And an all encompassing. Declaration. Of joyful praise. And that's what we ought to have this evening. An all encompassing declaration of joyful praise for what God has done for us. And those signs and symbols that we witnessed, tasted, and smelled yesterday morning. It declares to us an all encompassing redemption. Now, then we see a saving dependence in these words I will trust, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I will trust. That's what we said in our actions as we came to the table of the Lord. None other deserves or has earned such trust that is a fearless trust. I will trust and not be afraid. What are we not afraid of? Well, firstly, we're not afraid of misplacing our trust. We know in whom we believe. Therefore, our trust is not misplaced. And as we came to the table, that's what we said by our actions. We know in whom we believe. So we're not afraid of misplacing our trust. We have not misplaced our trust. Why? Because our trust is of God. And he has shown unto us Jesus Christ. And in him we trust. But secondly. We're not afraid because we know the one in whom we have come to trust. That is God himself. We have sang of the faithfulness of God. Therefore we're not afraid. Because we know the one in whom we come to. We know the one whom we remembered. He loved us. He gave himself for us. One writer remarked, there is everything to fear until God becomes his salvation. Then there is nothing to fear. There is, there is none daring to make us afraid. What have we got to fear, dear congregation, when the King of Heaven, the blessed Son of God, Give himself for us. And we remembered him. Until he come again. Just as he came the first time. We can be assured. All of those prophecies of a second coming. Will come to pass. Including that one. Of the institution of the Lord's table. Here, Isaiah, in this joyful declaration, he's reminding his readers of the redemption of God's people of old. These words are uh, are just like the words of Exodus 15 and verse 2. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. You see, the Exodus was a type of, of the salvation or the redemption. That the Messiah would bring to his people. The setting them free from the house of bondage. From the bondage of sin. Dear saints it is suggested here by Isaiah. As he uses this Lord Jehovah. Or Jah Jehovah. He's directing his readers forward. To that anti-typical salvation of the new covenant. Which was accomplished by Christ. So, in his words, he directs them back to the Exodus, and then in his name of God, he springs them forward to the promise of the Messiah's kingdom. The Exodus was a great redemption, but there is a greater redemption to come, and that is the redemption that is going to be wrought by Christ for his people. A greater salvation of which the Exodus was but a shadow. Dear saints, what Isaiah is telling us here by implication is that there will be no wilderness wanderings after this superior redemptive act. What happened after the exodus? There was 40 years of wilderness wanderings. But in the kingdom of the Messiah, the kingdom of grace, there is no wilderness wanderings. Why? Because he brings his table to his church. And we were refreshed with the ordinance of God. You see, he undertakes for us in this world. He strengthens us in his kingdom of grace. A superior redemptive act. But in verse 3, we read, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells, of salvation and that word there water is actually plural in the hebrew therefore with joy shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation what's it speaking of it's speaking of abundant sufficiency this well of salvation of which we know is christ we touched on it last evening this well is not a broken cistern this well is abundantly sufficient it will not run dry. The water of this well will not become polluted. This well will not be filled in. This is a well of salvation. It teaches us of our ongoing dependence. And the ongoing joy of our dependence. This is what we're declaring this evening. It is a joyful declaration of our dependence upon God for redemption and we will do this until God calls us home or comes but we won't stop doing it we'll continue to do it in eternity Revelation 7 and verse 17 for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Christ leading his people to living fountains of waters in eternity. You see how this well will never run dry. It is an eternal well. Eternal dependence. Now this text here in verse 3 has some relation to to the Feast of Tabernacles that we considered last night in John chapter 7. There was a man-made practice at the Feast of Tabernacles. That the, the priests would go do to the pool of Shalom Shil- And fill these as it were big jugs with pure water. And the ritual would be that they would pour this water out. And we read last night of the last day of that great feast. And you see, as they poured that water out, they repeated these words of Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, let us think of Christ when he stood and he cried, if any man thirst. It's a wonderful picture for us, isn't it? He is this true well of salvation. And it is upon Christ that we depend. Therefore we come this evening. And we come with a joyful declaration. Of our dependence upon Christ. But thirdly and finally we have a joyful declaration of delight. Joyful declaration of delight in verse 4 through to verse 6. And in that day shall ye say. That is the day of his kingdom. We are still in that day of messianic grace. Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. We praise God. We sing to his praise. We exalt his name. We praise God in declaring our delight in being delivered. And for delight possessed in that deliverance. You see the connection? It's all delight. We praise God in declaring our delight in that God has delivered us. But we also praise God in the delight that we now possess as those delivered. And that's what we do this evening. We praise, we declare, we sing. We cry out and we shout. Verse 6. We delight to do two things. We delight to call upon and exalt his name. Praise the Lord, call upon his name. You see, his name is himself. When we read of this in scripture, when we call upon his name, we are calling upon God, the being of God. That's what we're doing. When we call upon God's name, we are calling upon God himself. In calling upon his name, we make God and his work known in our worship. Leviticus chapter 10, the Lord says, I will be sanctified by them that draw nigh unto me. Now, God is perfectly holy. God cannot in any way be sanctified. But what that text is teaching us is that as God's people draw nigh unto him, they publicly declare him to be holy. And that's what we do when we draw near unto God. We declare God in his holiness as one worthy of our praise and of our worship. When we come across this phrase in Scripture, it can designate the entire worship of God. It is a calling and exalting of his name. It's all that we have come this evening to do as a congregation who have known the blessing of this ordinance of the Lord's table coming together to worship God. To do that which is good. To do that which is your delight. Your delight. So we delight then. To hear and to sing of his exodus work. When I speak of exodus work I speak of Christ. And his redeeming work. The redeeming of his people. What do we do in our worship? We preach Christ crucified. We sing of Christ crucified. We preach Christ risen, ascended and coming again. And that's what was preached to us in the ordinance. By that visible word of God. His atoning sacrifice. His work of redemption. Christ crucified. And why do we do this? Well surely it is the delightful expression of the delight of our salvation. What Christian could say that their salvation was not a delight unto them? It is a delightful thing to be a Christian. And it is a delight to the soul to know Christ. And the redemption that he has brought with him. And he has purchased for us. We read in verse 6, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Here we have characteristics of the inhabitant of Zion, a subject of the kingdom of grace. We have these characteristics by implication of command. We're commanded in verse 6, you cry out, you shout. You, inhabitant of Zion. You subject of the kingdom of Christ. We are to be a people. Who delight to have God. In the midst of us. I'm sure that was the prayer of each of your hearts. As you prepared yourselves. For the communion season. And that's why we have preparatory days. Preparing ourselves to feast. With Christ and to feast with one another. And what is the desire of our hearts? Is that God in Christ would dwell among us. By his spirit. Spiritually present at his ordinance. And among his people. And it is our delight, isn't it? It's our delight to have Christ among us. John Calvin remarks on this text. We have no other happiness than to have God dwelling in the midst of us. Wonderful truth. No other happiness than to have God dwell in the midst of us. A joyful declaration of our delight. Are you an inhabitant of Zion? Are you a subject of this kingdom of grace? In Christ. The wonderful truth, dear saint, is that only such citizens have this privilege of citizenship. What is this privilege of citizenship? What is the privilege of the covenant for the covenant people of God? The privilege is, and may be the chief privilege, to delight in the God of salvation. You see, it is a sad thing to have the expressions of delight. And not have the delight seemingly expressed. You see what I mean? There are those who have these expressions of delight. Maybe there's those here this evening. And they have these expressions of delight. And yet do not seem to have this delight That is seemingly expressed. Dear friend. Do you not want. Such a privilege as this. You have. Noted your family members. Your friends. Coming to the table of the Lord. You watched on. You, you, You noticed that. They received this privilege of the church. Of God's people. And they were blessed. I want you now to see the delight that they have. They're here this evening because of the delight of their souls. Do you have this delight? Do you not yearn for the God who gives this delight? who is himself this delight? You see, dear friend, to have God in the midst through his word and spirit and sacrament is a delightful thing for the christian to be temples of the living god ourselves is a great delight look at the last clause of verse six for great is the holy one of israel in the midst of thee using the singular remember i said the individual christian can apply this to themselves we are the temple of the holy ghost What is our greatest delight? Is that we receive God himself. The spirit of God. Well what further uses can we make of this. For ourselves. And there are two. That I want to leave with you. Firstly is this to you. A joyful declaration. At the end of this communion season. Can you say yes. This is my joyful declaration. Look at verse 2. And we read. That he has become. My salvation. He also. Has become. My salvation. Now there's two truths here. That we ought to grasp. In order to heighten. Our joyful declaration of what God has done. He has become. He has also become my salvation. Jehovah did become. Our salvation. The son of God. Was manifest. In the flesh. He who from all eternity was in the bosom of the father. In the fullness of time. He did come. He was born of a woman, made under the law, to do what? To redeem them that were under the law. He has become our salvation. And dear friends, he is in our nature still. Wonderful truth, interceding for us. That's the reason for which he lives. For we read he ever lives to make intercession for us. Surely then we ought, as we remembered his death, come now in a joyful declaration that he has become our salvation. But has he become to you your salvation? It's a question we need to ask, even at the end of this communion season, to examine ourselves. Is this true joy and delight in the salvation of God? But secondly... Is this to you an excellent thing? Verse 5 Sing unto the Lord For he hath done excellent things This is known in all the earth Has this communion season Regardless of preachers Has this communion season Been to you an excellent thing? It should be For this is how it is known in all the earth. What is this excellent thing that we have experienced? Isaiah 11 and verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And then in verse 12. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. An ensign for all the nations. An ensign that the Gentiles shall seek. Dear friends, this is an excellent thing. Because the gospel Of the kingdom. The messianic kingdom of grace has gone out into all the world, and such do the Gentiles now seek. Is that not what we experienced? We experienced somewhat of the Messiah's kingdom in an ordinance of his kingdom. This prophecy here in Isaiah 11 and to it shall the Gentiles seek. Has been proved to us in the coming to the Lord's table. Has been proved to us in these gospel things. Is this to you an excellent thing? Promised in the prophets of old. Experienced by us. In this day of Messiah's grace. Has the gospel gone to the Gentiles? Yes. Is Christ still gathering the nations? Yes. Are we evidence of this? Yes we are. And so we have been. Over these past few days. So you see dear congregation. It truly is an excellent thing. Redemption results in praise. Let us joyfully declare our deliverance. From the wrath of God. Through Christ. Let us joyfully declare our dependence upon Christ and his means of grace. And let us joyfully declare our delight. For it truly has been a delightful thing to commune with Christ our Saviour. Let us pray. Eternal and ever-blessed God. We bless thee for thy word to us. And how thou hast graciously instructed us in how we should approach thee. To give our praise and joyful declaration unto thee for all that thou hast done. We thank thee, O God, that thou dost accommodate us in our ignorance and in our weakness. Thou dost speak unto us through thy word in these last days we rejoice that thou hast spoken unto us by thy son Jesus Christ and we pray Lord for this congregation in the coming days and coming weeks that they would continue to be sustained by renewing grace that O God thou would so cause them to desire more of Christ to seek his face and to renew fellowship each day with the one who has been so gracious to us in our redemption. We pray for forgiveness, acknowledging our weakness. And as thou dost cleanse us and forgive us for all sins, cause us to remember thy word to us, that word that is a gracious word. And may we remain in that spiritual frame of delighting in our Savior. This we pray for his sake and for his glory. Amen. Well let us conclude. This communion season. With the singing of Psalm 100. The first version. Psalm 100. All people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Know that the Lord is God indeed. Without our aid he did us make. We are his flock. He doth us feed. And for his sheep he doth us take. Psalm 100. Sing all of this psalm to God's praise. stand for the benediction and with the giving of the benediction the session shall be closed now the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the communion of the holy ghost be with you all amen